Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley. This is part three of our Priority Time Addicted to God's Word series. The last week in this particular series that I had um, the opportunity to teach, and this particular message that we're discussing today was entitled Avoiding the Subtle Traps. And Chris, you know as well or even better than I do the places that people get tripped up in a priority time generally has very little to do with God or the Bible. It's the focused thinking that we talked about in the the how last time. Um, once those principles are taught, um, they're they're fairly straightforward. And I always have to remember that, you know, he wants us to have the faith of a child. He's not trying to make this a, a faith that is only, you know, for the intellectually elite. He wants all of us to have that relationship with him. And so, Chris, as we move into this message, any starting thoughts? Yeah, I would say before we jump in and talk about interactive prayer and life journaling, you know, as the last two of the four ingredients, I would like to say something that you just mentioned. You know, where do we get um, inconsistent instead of consistent in our priority time? You know, what interrupts us? Typically, it's the things that interrupt our routine. We need a routine in order to be consistent. And so you just need to look and say, okay, what are the things that help me be most consistent in a routine? And in that routine, yes, your priority time is one of the things you do. And so one of the things I think bears repeating that you talked about is that a priority time is it's a unhurried time, but unhurried doesn't mean unlimited. So talk about that in the context of just putting a morning routine together and the importance of that routine where it just has a few dynamics of where you have the priority time. And some of this you said before, but I think there's just um, a little bit of emphasis that could be added to how important it is to protect your routine, protect the place, protect the time, those kind of dynamics. Well, and different personalities will hear that differently. For some people that love a routine, they're, you know, they're nodding up and down. And for people that love variety and creativity and and don't like to do anything twice the same way, um, I would just say what the actual time looks like for some people will be exactly the same every time. I'm going to listen to a worship song and I'm going to start on my knees and I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to open my Bible and my journal. Some people will do that because they're just, they're just, that's how they're wired. Other people are going to be like, you know, some days I start on, you know, with the word and some in prayer and some with music and some without and that, but the, the unhurried block of time, you have to guard fiercely. There is just no other way to do that than to be intentional. And like you said, it, it's usually variation. It's usually either A, you don't have any consistency to your morning routine. And so if that's the case, 
you know, you can be inconsistent in a lot of things, but you're going to need to figure out, okay, given my life, given the dynamics of where I live and who I live with and the expectations in my life of from other people, what is the best time to have this section of my morning off guard, you know, off limits to anybody else? And, and it's literally this simple. What is your start time? And what is your stop time? You know, like, okay, I've got to be to be at work by, you know, 8 a.m. Uh, it's going to take, you know, 30 minutes to drive there. And then it's going to take, you know, 30 or 45 minutes to get ready. And so therefore, you know, do I need to start my priority time at 630? You know, just whatever it is for you. I mean, okay, I'm going to start at 630. I'm going to end at 650. I put a 20 minute you know, start time, stop time. Now I can be unhurried within that 20 minutes. That's literally all we're talking about when it comes to the importance of establishing consistency. And the other thing that I would say is if you are somebody that tends to over schedule, um, I'm somebody who I, I try to take, make use of every moment of time. And so, oh, I've got three extra minutes. I bet I could throw a load of laundry in and get that started before I walk out the door. If that's you, I would really make sure the earlier in your morning, the better. Don't leave that to, I'm going to shower, get dressed, get ready, take out the dog, feed the kids, and then have my priority time and walk out the door. Because the chance of those things taking longer or you just losing a little bit of focus after those things, um, technically, you know, you're still having your priority time in the morning. That's what they said, right? Yes. But just in that unhurried way, what I've just done is I just put it on the front end. So if I have to rush to put my makeup on, so be it. But I'm not cutting short the most important thing in my day. One of the things that I love the most about what you taught in this message is that you said a priority time is like a tithe of your time. And in the same way with a tithe, we're supposed to give the first 10%, you know, versus the leftovers. And so I think what you're saying here is, okay, let me tithe the very first of my time. If I need to hurry through my shower, okay, I hurry through my shower. If I need to put, you know, not for me, but if you need to put your makeup on a little bit quicker or whatever, you know, do that. It's okay to hurry through those things. You know, you'll survive. But God can say something in that unhurried time that can change your life and can change someone else's life that day. So I just think we just need to place um, uh, emphasis upon, you know, that what you said, give the very first part and then let all the rest of the day take over. And I'm just going to say, I don't know. I think it's just harder for a woman to protect her time than a man. Like there just tends to be, you know, it's quicker for you to get ready. You can hop out the door, You're, you know, those kinds of things. But you know what, ladies, do not let that be an excuse. Um, we need to be alone with the Lord and and every single uh, one of us does. So don't, don't let the things of the morning, I, I mean, I can lose 10 minutes just getting distracted by something I see on the counter protect your time with God. All that other stuff will work out. Uh, she could also lose 10 minutes by looking for her phone. <laughs> <laughs> On a daily basis. So, <laughs> so um, we talked about focus thinking, uh, personal application in the last conversation. This one, we're going to talk about interactive prayer and life journaling. So make the connection. All right. You're in this world of personal application. 
uh, you're praying about, or you're, you're asking the questions about like, okay, how does this apply to my life? I mean, is it really possible to kind of apply something apart from prayer? I mean, what role does pl- prayer play in the application process? Oh, it's a huge part. So, you know, yes, um, there are times where, and I think I gave the illustration the first week of this message in the why that it's like you and I imagine, you know, imagine a couple walking in the park, having a conversation, you know, it, it's not like you walk three steps and stop and then hold hands for a few minutes and then let go of hands and then talk. Those, those things all kind of happen fluidly. And the same is true in your priority time. But if you are, you know, there'll be times that I will write a question like, God, how do you want me to apply this truth to my life? And I might literally write it down. So I guess in a most literal way, I'm kind of in my personal application time of my, and I'm journaling it because I have found if I, if I just am like saying to myself or praying to the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to apply this to my life? I can kind of get I can just move on before I hear from him. Um, and I think for me, writing those questions down, like forcing myself to write down an application question, um, I just am not going to leave that. I, like, I just feel, I don't know, I, I'm committed. Like, okay, Lord, I want to hear, I, I do want to know. Um, you know, we all have blind spots. We're horrible self-evaluators. This is where we need God to show us what we cannot see. But when I write that question down, generally that means I'm actually going to begin praying. And so then I'm like, okay, fine. You know, sometimes the, the Lord, you know, just the Holy Spirit just brings something immediately to my mind. And I know exactly how I'm supposed to apply that truth. And if that's the case, then I might write it down, but then I'm going to be praying just processing through, okay, God, as you've revealed this to me, um, help me to know what that looks like. How do, how do I do that? What's the best way to go about that? Those kinds of things. Um, if he hasn't, if I don't immediately have something that comes to my mind as to how to apply it, then that is, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to enter into a time of praying and just saying, Father, I just want to take a few minutes before you right now and just be still. Father, show me what it looks like for me to obey this type thing. And, and there's going to be times like I would be probably a little bit different than Karen in this, and it's not right or wrong. It's just different personalities applying the same truths according to the way you're wired. But a lot of times, okay, when I get into that personal application, sure, there are sometimes I write it down immediately, but oftentimes that application, it, it's it's hit my mind, it's hit my heart, and I go right into prayer. And, and I will spend time praying it, but then when I stop praying, I try to then go back and kind of summarize what it was that I was praying about from an application standpoint and, and to write that down because I do agree with you 100%. There's something about writing it down that brings some accountability. You know, there's something that just is, it's like an additional expression of commitment. So I, I think it happens in so many different fluid ways. Like you said, it's it's not linear, okay? And, you know, you can kind of jump into this at any point in time in the same way that it's kind of circular, all right? So we've got this focus thinking, we've got personal application, but then a common definition of prayer is that prayer is listening to God and responding. 
Well, one of the ways we listen to God is through the reading of Scripture, the meditating upon Scripture, then, you know, the 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 process of, of asking those journalistic questions for application. So talk to us about how in this particular way, um, there's a listening process that your prayer is generated from what you're hearing from the Scripture. Your prayer isn't always self-generated. You know, it's either generated from the scripture or generated from the leading of the Holy Spirit, because frequently what we'll do is we'll pray everything that we want to pray, and then we are missing those other two components. Yeah, so I think um, I think you might have answered part of your question, if I understood it, but let me add on to that. You know, I think you're right. The my growing up, my understanding and expectation of prayer was me just bringing all my requests to God. And as I've grown in my walk and my understanding of who God is and who the Holy Spirit is, um, it is very much knowing that, okay, God speaks through his word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through circumstances. And so in the context of my priority time, those are all different ways that God may speak. And it's taking that and really bringing it up before him. You know, I I think about times, um, and it may have even been Clyde that talked about, you know, God is going to you know, reveal to you what he wants you to pray. And then you lift that back up to him. And so when you are praying in a, if you're praying what he has impressed upon you to pray, there's nothing that he would rather do than to answer those prayers. Cause those are going to be God centered prayers, not man centered prayers. And that's where, so I think I grew up with a very man centered perspective of, okay, let me tell you all the things I need as opposed to as you're in your priority time, as you're in the focused thinking, as you're in the interactive prayer, really you should see that your prayer time is becoming, okay, God, what do you want to say? God, what what does this look like to live in a way that that brings you glory? Um, What is it that I need to see to be the vessel you want me to be in this situation? Not, oh gosh, this is horrible. This stinks. Get me out of this. And though, I mean, there's plenty of that that happens. I mean, the first thing that I think I talked about in week one is just be honest, like to kind of come in with any spiritual pretense as if we all would like to suffer and thank you, God, that I get to suffer, you know, is just not, it's not real. It's not who we are. And God knows exactly what we're thinking anyway, but in those, using those four different ingredients, it really should bring you to a place that your prayers are more a reflection of how he you're asking him to help you have his mind. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, I see frequently in my own prayer life in this is you, you made the statement that we bring our requests to God. And I do a hundred percent. I frequently see him adjust my request, you know, that the more I read through the scripture and I'm like, Oh yeah, I was praying it from kind of a man centered perspective or from my preference perspective. And I have to kind of readjust my prayers and go, wait a second now, God, from your perspective, how do you want me to pray this? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a gentle correction. You know, he's guiding me. But in, in that way, um, I think it's John chapter 15, where it says, you know, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And it's where that abiding determines the asking. And, and when we do that, then we can have confidence in what we ask for. The, the thing, the other thing that you said that I really like is you talked about this honesty in prayer. Um, elaborate on that, but add the word vulnerability, you know, talk to us a lot. A lot of times people, uh, they almost don't like the word confession or to confess. They feel like, like, oh, you know, that I, I feel so bad or whatever. Kind of talk to us about just the level of vulnerability, what role confession plays, what role repentance plays, and, and how you would look at those things. Again, I think we walk with a mindset of God being an angry God and um, that confession, I mean, I just kind of get the the stereotypical, you know, uh, Catholic confession booth is what we think of. At least that's what comes to my mind. Instead of realizing that, you know, when we confess, we're agreeing with God. You know, we're saying, I see this the way that you see it. So if there's sin that God has revealed to me, when I'm confessing that, I'm saying, God, I'm going to choose to agree with you that this is sin. And I don't, and then I'm going to turn from it. That's the repentance part is the turning from it. Um, and it's not in your own strength. It's not, let's muster up and see how, if we can do better today than I did yesterday, but it's asking my heavenly father to give me the grace um, to turn and to look at what I'm gaining instead of what I'm losing. So in that regard, like when you confess, when you repent, because I agree, I think a lot of people have negative connotations of that. What do you feel on the other side of that? Talk about the feelings that come on the other side. Okay, you did confess or you did repent of something. What do you typically see happen in your prayer life about how does that change the way you're feeling in that moment? Well, honestly, we, in our own strength and in our own ways, we're never going to think we're wrong. You know, like the, the humanity in us, we like to be right. And so when the Lord shows me something, to me, it's actually an indication that, that I'm listening and that He cares and that I am taking a step to become more like Him, you know, in that sanctification process. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, if there's not any confession or repentance in your prayer life, then you need to worry because then it's like, well, I mean, none of us have arrived. You know, it's that whole thing. The closer you get to God, the more you see his holiness and the more you see your unholiness. So to think that there's somebody out there that's so spiritually mature that they feel like they've arrived is an absolute contradiction. Um, you know, the most spiritually mature people um, are, are seeing truly just the magnitude of who their Savior is, and all of us pale in comparison to that. So it just, for me, I think I've shifted from feeling, oh, I must be a bad person or shame or, or those kinds of things to being like, oh, this means I'm growing. This yeah. Because like in First John, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In instead of confession making you feel dirty, confession is the cleansing. You know, it's it's the part where, no, I just took a step 
toward God. I just removed a barrier. And then repentance is I just changed my mind, you know, and it's that change of mind that leads to a change of direction. All right. So that brings us kind of through um, interactive prayer, interactive, obviously being that it's two way. It's not just one person talking, but you're listening and you're responding. And it brings us into this thing, life journaling. And again, some people are journalers, some people aren't, some people kind of make this mistake of, oh, you know, is this like a diary? I don't know that I keep a diary. Honestly, I think it's something that involves a little bit of everything and you can kind of make it your own. Share some of your best practices in journaling and why you would recommend people to make this a part of their priority time experience. Yeah. So I would say for me, um, it, it is a combination. There are some times that I will just start my priority time by writing, um, just almost even a recap of where I am, you know, of just, you know, Hey, uh, you know, we just, you know, took Annika to college today, or we're just starting this season of this or something that's just as milestones happen in our life, um, that I've just have a record of, okay, what else was going on while I was in John chapter five, you know, like the, you know, earlier this week I was in my priority time and it was the barley loaves and fish. And it was in the context of us being in a season where we're like, oh, gosh, how's this whole thing going to work out? We need to see God show up. Well, then like the next day in my priority time, I'm in this passage that's talking about God making everything out of nothing. And so I, for me, I like to just be able to document because I think, A, when I go back, I'm going to be able to see what what was the context as I was going through that? And then what God says and what obedience looks like and answered prayers look like, for me to have that in in a written form, there's just so much more power to it. Because even as I pray for other people, I if I document that and then we see an answered prayer for me to be able to take my journal to them and say, look, three months ago, I was praying this and see what God did. It, it does encourage them, but more than anything, it encourages me that, okay, I, I was praying and God did answer. And so it's, it's a combination for me. It's a little bit of where I am in life. It's a little bit of prayers that I pray for our immediate family, for our church, for our city. Um, it's my focused thinking. It's my personal application. And again, like you said, sometimes I come back and recap. Um, if I, You don't want the journal to be a distraction to the intimacy, but I think each person will just kind of find their rhythm and it's either to summarize after or to sometimes the pen helps, honestly, the, the ideas and the heart, the vulnerability to flow. There's sometimes I can write something that moves me to a more vulnerable place than if I'm praying. And then the other times the opposite's true. Sometimes as I begin to hear myself actually articulate where I'm at or what I'm asking the Lord, um, that will take me to a more vulnerable place. You know, when I think about journaling, one of the things I think is uh, true in my experience is it helps me stay in the present tense. 
Sometimes with God, it's like, oh, you know, I think about something in the past tense or I think about something in the future tense that either I want him to do or something I wish would have happened in the past or whatever it might be. And the journaling just kind of grounds me in the present tense. Okay, God, this is who you are. This is who I am. This is what I need to do. And, you know, you use this term, you talked about document, like it it, it documents our journey. And I think that's so important because throughout the pages of scripture, God tells us time and time again to remember, and then time and time again, he warns us about forgetting. So let's close this conversation just maybe with a little, a few thoughts on the importance of remembering and also the warning of not forgetting. Well, I have learned a lot of lessons from you. You are a scribe. You take copious notes when you go to a conference. Um, you transition them to action points. Um, you invest a lot of time to steward what is given to you um, in those contexts, like a conference or a sermon or something like that. But you are equally, if not more, committed to stewarding your time with the Lord. And, and so in that way, um, there's just so much to be said for that process. And, you know, honestly, you just, you can't ever go back and recreate it. And so if you don't capture it, then you're not going to. And you're never going to think on any given day, um, rarely, there may be a handful of days that you would think, okay, this is worth documenting and this was a mile marker I should write down. And yet no telling how many days end up being that way, that if you hadn't documented, um, and I just think of our journey, there's so many things that we have documented because you had built that consistent pattern into your life and I had built that into mine, um, that now you see the fullness, instead of seeing in black and white, it's like high def, the difference between God's faithfulness because we recorded it, because we have, okay, somebody said this, and this was prayed over us, and we wrote it down, and then this happened, and then we had this phone call, and we recorded that, and then you put them all together and you're just blown away by the size of God. Whereas if you hadn't have documented them, hadn't have written them down, hadn't journaled them, it would have been like, oh, okay, well, this happened and this happened, but you don't connect all those dots. It, it, precisely. That's exactly what I was going to say is life journaling helps you connect the dots between yesterday, today, and tomorrow and gives you faith to not only live in today, but live you know, in today in such a way that we win the day. And then when we win the day, we can go to the process of, okay, what's it look like to win this week? What's it look like to win this month? What's it look like to win, you know, the months ahead. And so in that, uh, it's a confidence builder. And when I say confidence, not just like, I'm, I'm talking about the word faith means confident trust, you know? And so it just, you know, the, one of the things that motivates us to pray more than anything is answered prayer. And so when we have those things to fall back on, then it gives us you know, confidence, even when we don't feel like it, to move forward. Well, I hope this has been helpful. Make sure you do watch uh, this particular message or listen to the one um, that we are referring to here. It has a lot of information about the where 
and the um, when of your priority time as well. Those are super important things that you want to establish and make decisions on in advance to give you the best opportunity to just build the most important habit into your life that, that exists. So hope this has been super helpful and um, look forward to hearing from people and how God is speaking to you through your priority time. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.